You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places and know the immense value of what God is doing in those places. Uh, Today, we get the pleasure to talk to Pastor Cody Cochran, and we're going to follow a bit of his uh, journey as he's been in a small town in Texas for 23 years and and just walk through all the phases of church that he's been in and the lessons he's pulled from that. Uh, So the first thing I want to do is just say, Pastor Cody, how are you today, man? Hey, I'm good. What's up, Joe? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I mean, it's a good day up here in Montana. Hopefully, it's a good day down there in Texas. Hopefully, a lot warmer than where I'm at. Well, yeah, it's pretty good. It's warm, sunshine, and blue skies, so no complaints down here. Gosh, there's not many days I regret being a Montanan. It's just mostly from October to March. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's cold. Um, well, hey, man, uh, you know, you have actually, so this podcast, a lot of people don't know that this podcast had two phases where uh, it started up briefly in 2020 and then kind of died off for a bit. And uh, now it's back. And way back in the day, we got to do this quick, quick flyover of your story. Uh, but a lot of our listeners probably don't know anything about you. And so um, would you be able just to describe your journey in ministry and kind of your connection to the rural church? Sure. No, man, it's cool. Privilege to be a part, man. I love Love rural America, love rural people, love rural ministry. And so, I mean, we've been out here pastoring in Anson, Texas. It's a population of about 2,000 people. And so, been here for 23 years. And uh, don't, don't, I mean, don't really care to go anywhere else. This is where I am. It's my people. It's my tribe. You know what I mean? And so, so it's just, uh, it's it's a privilege to be a part of, of rural ministry. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about the uh, the journey of the church. And obviously, we'll dive into the specifics of this stuff. Uh, but when you took over the church 23 years ago, what did it look like? And then now, what is it like now? You know, kind of give us that, that snapshot. <laughs> sure. Well, 23 years ago when we took over, I followed a pastor. I actually came to fill in for two weeks. Uh pastor had been here 43 years, he and his wife. And so to say that they were, after 43 years, and there was 13 people when we came um, that first Sunday. And uh, to be honest, they were all... Yeah, they were all over 75, and I was 25, and um, I hated them, and they hated me. So (laughs) to say they were steeped in tradition and had some sacred cows in their church after following one guy for 43 years, that'd be an understatement. So and I came in here, and I mean, I was young and dumb and just got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know anything about, you know, um, their traditions and their methods, and I blew all that stuff out of the water. And so it it was rough and rocky there for first year or two, or first year anyway. So anyway, that's what it was. Very traditional, sang out of the heavenly highway hymnal and had yeah. one lady play the piano and she and another lady sang. She was about she was 75. She sang, played the tambourine, sounded like Kitty Wales, bless her heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's oh, one in every church, you know. There's one in every church. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, and so and, where did the uh, church get to journey wise? I mean, where's what's the snapshot of today look like? Today we're here at the. We got a new location, a different location than where I started, where we started out at, and um, so we've got um, we got a campus here. We've planted three other campuses in rural in rural towns around here. One's forty five miles east of here, one's forty five miles west, and then one's about fifteen miles north of us. 
And um, our heart behind that was that, you know what, uh, in these little rural towns, they're dying out. You know, there's yeah. no people are leaving. They're wanting to go to the city. This younger generation doesn't want to farm and ranch and be broke their whole life and work their guts out for nothing. And so, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't get, yeah, I don't get yeah, the lack of appeal there. Right? So with that, there's no no really life-giving, healthy Bible-teaching churches in those towns. And so anyway, we just felt like that was our what the Lord's calling us to do, raise up ministers to go that fit this culture, that understand the way we live and rural living and, and plant churches. And so here we are now. We have three services here now at our campus where we're at right now. We average uh, 475, 500 people. Nice. And um so yeah, it's uh, it's totally changed uh, dramatically over the years. You know, you look back over twenty three years, and you can see every five, six, seven years, you have to make some shifts and some changes, and and do it a new way. And boy, every one of those seasons is always a struggle because people always resist. You know, any kind of change. Because by God, that's the way we've always done it, and that's the way we always <laughs> yeah. want to do it. And yeah, so, that's anyway, that's where we are now. Yep. Nice. Oh, I love that story. I love, I love when you get to see God show up in those, in those crazy cool ways. And like, yeah, who would have guessed, who would have told 25 year old pastor Cody Cochran, you know, Hey, here that's going to end up and what's going to look like. I mean, that's just crazy. I must say right quick. When I took the church, yeah. I had, z- I had no credentials, none whatsoever. Yeah. You're like, you I, know? Got saved. I, mean, that was- I got baptized in the Holy spirit. I'm ready to rock. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the sectional uh, council or whatever said, hey, you believe in Jesus? You feel with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you believe Go. in the fundamental truths? <laughs> Boom, you can have that church. I love Ooh. it. I love it. Well, hey, uh, let's. so that was a great flyover of your story. And now let's just deep dive into some individual parts of it. So um, you followed a pastor of 43 years, right? Yeah. And I would uh-huh. say that in rural towns, that is a situation that probably happens more often than we give it credit for. I can think of uh, even two or three churches in in our Assemblies of God in Montana where that similar situation is playing out. And um, what challenges did that create? And, and how did you overcome those challenges? Because I think I mean, there's your specific story, which I know some of those details are real intense, but also like just generally, how does someone follow that and rebuild? You know, like how does that work? Yeah, well, it, it's it's definitely not easy. You know what I mean? And um, because a lot of, I mean, like in, in our experiences, man, in rural America, and I think in America everywhere, right now there's a little bit of distrust for the church. They don't mm, trust the yeah. church. They don't. They don't trust the church leaders because these a lot of a lot of kids that are graduating from college, you know, from Bible college, they got good hearts, but they want a big church. They want a huge mm-hmm. church, you know. And so I think for years they've maybe used rural as a stepping stone to try to get to the big church making the big money and all that stuff. And so they come in and they, you know, the what's the average tenure of a pastor nowadays? Oh, just a couple sure. of years. Yeah, probably just even especially rural church. I mean, it could be every two years, you're just flipping. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I just don't think people trusted they didn't trust me that the the 13 people didn't trust me, you know, when I came. So I think one of the things in order for us to be healthy and and and, and be healthy churches is we have to be in it for the long haul. Mm. You know, you have to be here. You have to prove, you know, and that's just, I mean, I know that sounds tough, but you got to prove your love. you got to prove your concern. Yeah. You know, you've heard that old saying, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Yeah, yeah, classic. And I love so, it, though. And I always tell this story. We've been in this town where we were answering. We were the, after about four, year four or five, we were the largest church in, in our town. And right. We've always tried to be outreach focused. We've always tried to help the school system, the hospital system here, the medical system. We've always tried, spent some 
energy and finances to be a part of this town. And this means nothing in the big scheme of things. But at year 17, we'd been here. So 10 years, we've been the biggest church, spent more yeah. money and more time in this in this community. At year 17, our um, Chamber of Commerce, they named myself and my wife Man and Woman of the Year. Oh, wow. Which, which means nothing. But right. after 17 years, we trust you. Wow. You're That's the pastor huge. of this town. Yeah, I know. And so. Yeah. That um, experience every- is repeated by a lot of people. Like I, I remember there was somebody. I, so I spent 10 years doing rural youth ministry and uh, literally nine years in, somebody came up to me and they were like a wealthy uh, individual. And I, I ran a youth center. So we we sometimes got donations and uh, and they looked at me and said, you know, we've been watching you for a while and we, we finally trust you. And they gave me a check for 10 grand. And I was like, I have been here for a decade. Like, I don't, sure. you know, you're just like. What the heck? Like what? What was I doing the other nine years? You know, just so yeah, funny. sure, sure. No, it is. And when we planted these churches, we've told these guys, our power campus pastors in these towns, like, say no quick fix, man. You're going to be here, yeah. and you better be here for the long haul. So, anyway, just being here for the long haul, and I think just part of it's just being bulldog, being bullheaded. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. This is where the Lord's called me. It's where I'm going to be. You know, we're going to try to affect this area for the kingdom, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, because you, cause you faced sissies. like deep resistance in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like when you first took over, I mean, that was that was a pretty rough ride. You said six months to a year was just it was a rough day, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And well, I ain't being ugly. I ain't being ugly either, man. But we just like in the church planning world nowadays, we're just like, oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's so tough, man. We just feel so sorry for y'all. Y'all are doing all. And I get it and I understand. Oh, sure. But man, when I when I read the scripture and the heroes of our faith, I mean, come on, they had to suck it up. They had to endure so much more than we do. And I just think moving forward now, especially in the times we're living, like you're gonna have to, you're gonna be a minister, you're gonna have to be a you're gonna have to be a grizzly bear, you're gonna have to have yeah. a little bit of grit and a little bit of yeah, you can't just expect it to all be easy. So I think that is very important, just knowing going in, like I'm not giving up. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. No, thank you for that perspective. Um, next question here. Uh, and cause I know that you obviously in your own church context, and then when we were on the phone, you talked about kind of this lengthy relationship with the church multiplication network where you've been, you know, part of church planting and that's kind of been the DNA of your church. Um, and I asked you this question because it's always interesting to me to hear the answer. Should every pastor be a church planter? Why or why not? Right. Cause uh, you know, that's, it's a good question. Sure. My answer to that is no. <laughs> and as much as my friends at CMN would probably like me to say yes, I just think it's <laughs> of no. Course, of course, because <laughs> I don't think every I think dysfunction breeds dysfunction, and mm. I don't think every pastor is healthy, and I don't think every church is healthy. And if you try to jump on the church planting bandwagon because it's cool and because you want to get some recognition from your district or something sure, like sure. that, and you're unhealthy, then you're going to raise up a bunch of people that are unhealthy. And if your church is dysfunctional, you're going to raise up another church that's dysfunctional. So I just think, no, I don't think every church. And and I think it's like I said before, not like we're, we're from the country and we believe in, in, in getting married, uh, one man and one woman and having a house full of kids. But you know what? There's some people that I know they'll need to be having kids. Because they're too immature, they're too immature, they're too selfish, and you know, so I just think you got to be, you got to be real about that. No, not every, I don't think every church is, needs to plant. No, that's a good response. And I love, 
I love it because it's not, it's not like you're shutting the door. It's just that you gotta, people gotta take stock. You know, it's like, dude, do you really want to reproduce? Cause, cause what do they tell you? Like the, what's the parenting quote where it's like, you know, people know what you say, but they'll reproduce, you know, who you are, you know, like, like sure. who I am, no matter what, like, I'm still my dad, you know, and he's not even sure. safe, you know, but I'm still, I'm still who he is, you know, in a lot of ways, sure. you know, it's like, man, any church is going to reproduce function or dysfunction. So I love, I love that a pastor could say, well, I don't, I don't feel like I'm healthy. I feel called to plant. Well, then, then there's a step there to get healthy, to make sure your, your DNA is good. And, and you know, before you take that step. So that's cool. I, I love that perspective, that honesty. So kind of moving through the culture of your church, because obviously dysfunctional culture should not necessarily reproduce, but I know that you've kind of hit on a sweet spot when I said, hey, what's the culture of your church right now? You mentioned that idea of family being a really important element. And uh, talk to me about some of the unique pieces. You know, I know we talked on the phone about things that make your church kind of unique among how you how you do ministry with different ages. And then uh, and then, what do you feel like that's done to help grow your people in your church, you know? Sure. No, I mean, yeah, family's huge for us. It's just, it's, it's the culture out here. It's the, it's the worldly culture, you know, farming together, ranching together, working together. And so we just, we, we love, we love family. And so we have, we don't do children's ministry. We don't do youth ministry. We don't do women's ministry or men's ministry. Now that doesn't mean that sometimes the women don't get together and have a little Christmas oh, sure, party. Sure. And I'm sure teenagers but, are hanging out somewhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But just here, we just feel like in our culture, Family goes to basketball games. Family goes to mom, dad, uh, and kids go to the rodeo. Mom, dad, and kids go to the to the dance if there's a dance. And so, like, why not go to church together? You know, mm-hmm. we just felt like we don't want we don't want to um, we want to create a culture where they can all come and feel comfortable. And um, I think that uh, it doesn't work everywhere, but it works for us. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty cool to see a seven year old girl grab her old rough daddy by the tiny pinky finger at the end of the service and drag her daddy down to the altar to pray. Normally Mm. he wouldn't come by by himself. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's helped our church because I think it's helped mom and dad do the discipleship of their children. Mm. Not that it's bad, but I think there's this idea in the American church. We're going to take our, eight-year-old and we're going to take our 17-year-old church and we're going to drop that eight-year-old off at kids church and then we're going to check the other one into the youth and then we're going to go sit and learn together and then I don't think there's any a lot of times there's not enough ministry at home and so this has made mom and dad have to do the discipleship of their own children and I think I told you this uh, on the phone the other day I don't remember the exact number but it was over 40 I think that we baptized here I don't know it's been a couple of months ago and over half of them were under the age of 13. Wow. And so w- what that said to us was um, it's working because these 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 preteens and teens are coming to big church, if you want to call it that. Spirit of God speaking to them. They're going home and at the supper table, they're telling mom and dad their experience with Christ. And mom and dad are leading them to the Lord to salvation. And then they're getting to come to the church and we're all getting to celebrate their baptism together. So yeah. for us, yeah. That's the way the Lord intended for it to be anyway. Well, and what a cool thought. I mean, uh, honestly, you know, so in in my role, I'm the district youth director for Montana. So obviously youth and kids is kind of my wheelhouse. And I've sat in meetings where I go like, man, how do we get parents involved in like the discipleship of their kids? You know, like like everyone just kind of scratches their head Mm -hmm. and goes like, 
what are we doing? But like, I love, I love that option where it's like, Hey, we don't, we don't really give them an option in a sense, you know, it's like, Hey, do this or your kids might not, might not grow, you know? And that's really, it's just huge sure. and refreshing. And I love, I love your honesty too. Where you're like, man, it might not work everywhere, but, but if it's working for you, I think all of us can learn something from that. There's gotta be opportunities sure. for intergenerational ministry. So, uh, no, it's really cool. And we're trying and no, and we make no secrets about it too. Like we're, we're out to get the men. You know, we are, we're, sure, we're sure. rough and we're edgy and um, we just like, that's our culture out here in this part of the world, traditional family, dad's the breadwinner, mom stays at home a lot of times. And so we're trying to get dad. Cause if we get dad, he's going to bring mom and bring the kids. To, sure. to church, yeah, and I love that. Lord. Yeah. And that's knowing your culture. Right? And that's just, that's a good, good practice right there. Um, sure. Well, let's dive into lessons on longevity. Cause I really enjoyed the conversation and you even touched on it earlier when you said like, Hey, every five to seven years, you kind of see these shifts, but, but you've been in the same place 23 years, right? That is not a short amount of time. That's actually, I mean, you're approaching what half your life from when you took over, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, And uh, how does somebody stay in one place that long and keep growing? Because I've met, I've met pastors who were there 20 years who shouldn't have been. And I met pastors Mm -hmm. who stayed and could have been way more effective, but weren't. And so how do you how do you keep ministry kind of growing even after such a long period of time? Yeah, good question, man. I mean, I just always been a motivated guy to be cutting edge. Like, oh, there's this old movie that came out called Secondhand Lines. Okay, and, yep, I do. I'm familiar. <laughs> Robert Duvall is sitting there. He's an old man, and he's having this kind of a weak moment. And his buddy asks him, like, "What's wrong with you, man? Are you afraid of dying?" He was getting old, you know. And he goes, "Heck, no, I ain't afraid of dying. I'm, I'm afraid of being useless." Yeah. And so, and I'm afraid of being ineffective. And so that's always been one of my deals is I wanted to work hard as I could to always be cutting edge because I don't want to do this because it don't pay good enough to yeah. just do it for no yeah, reason. to be bad at it too. It. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, suck. I'm not going to get yeah. paid well. I better be good at it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know what? I mean, I just think we live in the information age. I think there's, there's everybody can learn. Learning is everywhere. Education is everywhere. And as soon as a God have been real good at doing conferences about learning how to lead, about learning, doing new things, you know, um, you just can't do church today. Right now, we can't do church now like we did 23 years ago. Yeah, for sure. And 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 I've got a friend that's in rural ministry, and he always says this. He said, if the if the if the style of 1960 the the worship style and church style of 1960 comes back, then you know what we're going to be kicking some butt because 80 percent of our churches are still doing <laughs> church like we did in the 60s. I love that. What a good take. What a good take. You know. <laughs> what a good take. And it's true. It's true though. And um, so um, I, I, one of my favorite leadership quotes ever is that it says the illiterate and the ineffective of the future will be those that can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. Because every season we have to learn something new. And um, then there will come another season when we have to unlearn what we learned in the previous season and relearn something in a different way. And I think that's real hard. That's challenging because we're creatures of habit. We all want to do it the same way we've always done it. But, man, I just think so many of of our churches, if they would just tweak a little bit, you know, just listen a little bit. And do some things new, not 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 drop our values, not drop, you know what right. we believe. It's, it's methods, our faith, not message. Yeah, we're not it's changing methods. message, just methodology. Yeah. Sure, exactly. And so for me, uh, just uh, just that being willing to learn, being willing to go. Okay, I have to do it different in this season, and yeah. um, 
that's been great for us. And then authenticity. I think I told you that, man. I just and I ain't trying to be ugly, and I'm not firing shots at anybody. But no, I think you're good. there's so many people in ministry. They're in. They're they're not authentic. You know, we feel like we put these preachers on a pedestal, and we feel like if we're pastors. We have to be this big somebody that we're not and put on this big facade and and we can never be real. And when we get home, we're by ourselves. We're getting our butts kicked because we're not the person that we're pretending to be. And I just think being authentic and being real and having those kind of relationships around you help you with longevity and help you continue to be effective, too. Yeah, no, those are both great pieces of advice. I really love that. Uh, yeah, unlearn relearn you know that whole process because again it's and like the rural church i mean there are so many seasons you know like you could have a killer kids minute like just to specifically you could have a killer worship team or a killer kids ministry and then if somebody leaves you know like a rural church could fall apart in a sense you know like a lot of these people don't sure. have deep, you know and so it's just like you kind of got to always be going okay who's still here what pieces are left on this chessboard how do i how do i move this sure. around and relearn how to do and engage in the community you know um mm-hmm. last question for you uh, and and take it whatever you want if you want to give a simple answer or or dive into something specific. But I always ask people this because um, because if you've been at it a while, right? I, I've seen. I mean, the Bible. We don't even have to go modern examples, but the Bible says like like Paul would watch this where someone would minister and then eventually fall away, or or someone would be a doer and they would kind of lose sight of connecting with Jesus. So twenty three years in, how have you stayed connected with and passionate about Jesus? Good question too. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> funny, like. My worship pastor is here this morning, and we were just having this discussion earlier. You know, I think living that real life, that authentic mm. life, and I think having relationships, we were talking about the, the balance of relationships. Like, you know, you got to have these people that are spiritually minded and you can talk Bible with, but being around the lost, being around mm. other people, it keeps you. It keeps you from just getting in your office and getting in the holies of holies and getting in the upper room and the spirits falling and fires falling and tongues and all that stuff. Well, sooner or later, Peter had to go down the stairs into the real world and see lost yeah. and hurting people and realize what was going on in the culture that he was living in. Oh, and sure. so um, I think for me, like I do a lot of stuff, a lot of cowboy and stuff still and a lot of ranch work. And so I'm in the church, but then... I'm out of the church and I'm around church people and I'm around lost people. And so I think just having those relationships in the church and out of the church, you know, um, we, there used to be this old saying when I first came into the assemblies of God, we don't smoke, we don't drink and we don't chew. And we yeah, don't, we don't go with those who do. do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I need to be around them people. That's who I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd a whole heck of a lot rather be around those people <laughs> than a bunch of uppity church folk, you know, who had sure, no sure. fun, you know? Yeah. So I just think, you know, being in touch with the world and the culture that you live in and where you are and shining that light, you know, and just having a missionary mindset too, you know, I mean, like we used to have those missions parades at our district council and we'd march the missionaries in with their, their, the the flag they represent. Yeah. The the country and all that stuff. Yeah. And they'd be dressed like they are, you know, so that's what we try to do. We try to dress like the people out here. We're missionaries and that's what we're here for. Uh, Sundays are great, but the probably the six other days of the week are more important than the Sunday, if you want to be honest. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome and really refreshing. Well, hey, uh, Pastor Cody, I just want to say thanks for being on the podcast today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Joe. It's fun. Appreciate what y'all doing. Keep uh, keep up the good work, man. We love rural America and want to see revival and revival's taking off in rural America as far as I'm concerned. So y'all stay after it.
Absolutely. Well, hey, from all of us at Rural Advancement, we just want to say thanks again for tuning in. It is our pleasure, as we said, every single week to bring you content that isn't just spoken to you, but is spoken by people who get it. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged and inspired. Uh, again, if if you want to, if these conversations benefit you, feel free to share them with others around you um, in a very rural fashion. It's not always reviews and ratings that get this podcast out there, but it's a lot of just one-on-one conversations of people saying, hey, you want to check out something good I learned. And so uh, once again, I've been your host, Joe Epley. He has been Pastor Cody Cochran, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.